Hello everyone, I'm Dana Stewart-Bullock and this is Transformational Therapeutics. In today's podcast, I'll be talking about story. I will, of course, first define it and then talk about how to see story in a new, expanded way. So welcome. The word story comes from the Latin word historia, which means a narrative of past events, an account, a tale. We all know what a story is. We've grown up on stories, fairy tales, movies, etc. There is, however, the impact that story has on our physiology and how we create our own story and its impact on our bodies and our brains. My dear friend Rebecca Doring, a healer in her own right, has joined me for today's topic. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. So you just defined story. Can you read the definition of story again, just so it's fresh in my mind? A narrative of past events, an account, a tale. We grow up on stories, fairy tales, movies. I mean, everything is a story. Mm. It impacts our physiology. I mean, you know that from watching a movie that you love, that it changes your state. We can do that to ourselves with the story that we've created about our own life. Hmm. Someone said to me the other day to just change the story. It doesn't work like that because you have to change the physiology that goes along with the story. How do you do that? Let me go back to V.S. Ramachandran, who's a neurologist, who said what's particularly human about us is our ability to construct stories. And constructing stories, you are juggling symbols inside of your brain Apparently, humans are the only species that can take images from the real world and put them in our heads and then change them. So you could imagine a lamb with red wings on it. So you're combining a bird with a lamb. Other species can't do that. And that would be a story in and of itself. So you're combining symbols in a new form. And we can imagine or conjure up things that we've actually never seen. I mean, if you've never seen an angel, you can imagine what it looks like or conjure it up. Movies are like that. I mean, they put together different forms, different beings. I mean, that's the imagination that we have that other species apparently don't have. So we take all the things that ever happened to us and we take that from our lives. We pluck it and we create a story out of it. And if you're sad, you might pluck the sad things and make that your story. If you're happy, the happy things. And you can stitch that together into a general sort of abstract idea of who you are. Also, how you're treated by your parents is part of your story until you decide to change it. But it, it's, that's an unconscious piece that how you are treated from birth or actually maybe before birth by your family is your story. And that has a physiology attached to it. So we take our experiences and make a story of it. And that is the story of us. So our interpretation of our being is a compilation of stories. Yes. And each story has a physiology. Yes. Could you tell me about that? Well, it can be a conscious although not usually a conscious construction of a story or an unconscious. Most of it's unconscious because it starts out really early. And I can go back to the um, story of the woman who was a multiple personality and was an insulin-dependent diabetic in one personality 
and perfectly healthy in another personality. That is a, a physiological state that is her story in that personality. That's a personality with diabetes, and then there's another personality that doesn't have diabetes. That's a physiological expression of the story. Now, the story is most likely unconscious, not knowing that she's a multiple personality, but that physiology is attached to the actual story. Can you tell that story? Just give a little more background on what that story is. Candace Pert, who was the woman who discovered endorphins, she was a PhD neuroscientist, wonderful, wonderful human being, wrote a book called Molecules of Emotion. And in it, she describes a woman who was a multiple personality, and in one personality was an insulin-dependent diabetic, and in another personality was not, was healthy. So in each multiple personality, she had a story of her being, and that manifested in a very different physiology. Exactly. Exactly. How does that manifest for someone without multiple personality? Well, I wonder, since the science is showing that we are actually the story, that stories are actually what form us. I mean, we have a long, as a human civilization, a long history of storytelling, which we've sort of lost. You know, the ancient storytellers was a way of keeping sort of the fabric of that society intact with the stories that we tell. And we've become much more isolated and less attached culturally to each other and to that kind of storytelling. So we make up our own stories, and they're not within the framework or the weaving of a culture. We've become very isolated from each other. But you can just watch it in, I mean, you can watch it in today's politics, that different people have different stories that they believe about themselves. So it's really a belief system about yourself. And that belief system has either been imposed on you or you have made up. And that can be changed if you have the will or the want to change it. I mean, just even changing the language of somebody who claims that they're a victim. Victim carries with it a force, as does survivor carry with it a force. So it depends on how you actually articulate the story that will reflect your beliefs about yourself. How do you go about changing the story? Because you mentioned that you can't change the story without changing the physiology. Which one comes first? Is it, do you change the story? Do you change the physiology? Or do both? I think you have to do both. I think you can't do one without the other. And each one supports the other. So actually doing them both together is the most powerful way to do it. Mm. That's the original intent of psychotherapy. Depending on why you're in psychotherapy, it, it can take longer or shorter to change the physiology depending on its connections in your brain. I've found personally that psychotherapy with physical input, understanding the context in which you're doing it, changes things faster. Can you walk me through what that might look like to work with changing the story and the physiology in real time, functionally? Because I fundamentally know that the body never lies and the body carries your story. And because I have the skill, 
I can feel in the tissues changes when you change the story that you're used to. The two of them in, in my book have to go together. So if I have my hands, for instance, on your body and there's a restriction somewhere, I have my hands on the restriction, and we start talking about your story, whatever it is. When I feel the tissues under my hand relax, change, get softer, whatever term you want to use, then I know that what you're telling me is a truth. You can then feel the change in your physiology and you establish a feedback loop so that you then experience what it feels like to not have the original story or to let go of a feeling or a state. And so you experience a difference in your own physiology and then you've got the feedback loop that helps change the story as you change it in your thinking brain. And I've just found it's more efficient to have a feedback loop from a therapist on you in addition to doing the psychological piece. The two together are extremely powerful. Actually, I call it psychoarchaeology. It's like you're going into the, or psychophysiology. The psyche and the physical form are, to me, the same. It's just addressing both at the same time gives you more rapid results. Is this something you do with yourself? Yes. I, I don't do it on myself, but I do it with myself. Mm. How do you do that? Well, I have quite a background in psychology and in being treated by manual therapists, by osteopaths. And so I know just from experience, I can feel restrictions or someone can say, oh, there's a restriction here. I will automatically go into the symbolism of it. What does it mean? Where is it from? And once I gain insight into it and the person who's treating me feels the change, then I know I'm onto something and I can let go of whatever it was that I was holding in those tissues. How would someone without your background start working with this concept? With a lot of dictionaries of symbolism, what different body parts mean, what different symptoms mean, and then I just started applying it to myself. Just particularly now with the internet, you can get a lot of information at will. It's a journey, you start. But the way I started was I started in seeing the things that I was feeling in my body as signals, as communication, as language, as information. Mm. You know, it's like for information, I look it up in a dictionary. That's my old fashioned way. So if I have a symptom and I don't know what it means, I'm going to look up what it means and see if that changes the symptom. I'm always looking for functional feedback loops and for change mm. and for understanding and insight and for meaning. Can you explain that feedback loop process a little bit? How would you know that you've established a feedback loop? Well, it takes practice, and you will know by the change in your symptoms or the change in your feeling state and the change in the charge something might carry. And again, you're chipping away one pebble at a time. It takes work, <sighs> and it requires that you are important enough to do it for yourself. 
it also takes the ability to observe yourself, not just observe that you have an ache or a pain or a symptom, but also observe your observing. I know that sounds complex, but if you can separate that out, then there's an aspect of you that is sort of watching and learning mm. and not inundated or inside of the feeling states that we have. Could it be helpful to, when you feel a certain physiological state, ask yourself, what story am I telling myself or what story is being told that's connected to this physiology? Absolutely. Mm. Yes. What is the story that my body's telling me? Mm. And do I believe it? And what does it mean to change it? Do I really want to change it? I currently am working on training for a running race. And I have an area of my ankle that's been getting sore. So could I use this idea that my body is talking to me through a story with this? Because right away my, my brain went to, oh, well, it makes sense. I'm training, I'm running way more than I ever have in my life. It makes sense that this muscle would be sore. But what if there's more to the story? And, and for me, that's a cultural justification. Right. The uh, Tarahumara Indians, their best marathoners, barefoot in Copper Canyon in Mexico, become the most skilled at marathoning at the age of 63. <laughs> and they're the fastest then. So that to me tells me that they have a different story and a different belief system. So why not adopt something like that? Why not adopt potential rather than what you're seeing as restriction? Right, right. And it may very well be that that's got something to do with it, but that is to me, it's a way of seeing that is limited. Sure, because if I'm going into my training with an expectation of, oh, tendonitis might be a common thing, let me keep watching out for that, then... And my question would be, why? Mm. why? Why that tendon? Why that area? Why now? Yes. And you could, you could answer that with, well, I'm running, it's my ankle now because I'm running more. Yeah, but that doesn't give you any power. Right. I, I'm not interested in being powerless. Right. And, and until I've, I've explored as many different avenues as I can. I love that. So in going through looking at it through the context of story, like if I were to ask myself that question, like what? Well, you've told yourself the story that I'm running a lot now, and so the story is this is what happened. Huh. Yeah. And that's, that's the end. Yeah. That, that doesn't work for me. It might work for you. It doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for me, and I'm interested in moving forward and running without these little annoyances. I'm not truthfully feeling limited by this because I keep telling my friend is like, oh, you're, you're probably getting tendonitis. I'm like, hmm, we'll see. But <laughs> that's as a side note. But um, I really like this idea. So that would be the story that I'm telling myself, which could be creating this physiological state. And then how do or I? Or the physiological state is creating an opportunity to interpret your body differently. Uh. That's how I see it. So I would ask myself, I, would, I just keep asking question after question, what is the meaning of ankle? What's the meaning of tendon? What does a tendon mean to you? What do tendons do? Tendons attach muscles to bone. And so tendons are about attaching, yeah. connecting. Connecting. 
connecting the part of you that uh, moves, yeah, that initiates movement. Right, and moves the bones of my So body. I'm just going to throw out ideas because of the symbolism of the different body parts. So that's what muscles do, muscles attached to bone through tendons. Bones are oftentimes seen as something that's ancestral mm. because the bones last for centuries. They're the aspect of us that is always there. So is there an ancestral force in you that is resistant to you moving forward? Mm. Which side of your body is it on? The left. So the left side is the feminine or it's the part that it's the left side is the side that we listen to. It's our inner talking to us. You know, why is it your ankle? Is that your Achilles heel? And there are all these questions to ask. I love that. And you can dream on them. You can go to bed at night and ask to be shown. Mm. So that's just a beginning way of sort of playing around with it. Sure. So by asking all these questions, I'm offering myself a chance to change the story. And also to, dis to discover perhaps an unconscious story that I was not aware of by labeling it with the cultural story. Right. And the, the, the body is actually where the unconscious is carried. And, mm. and I, I see it as talking to us like your unconscious saying, hello up there. You need to address whatever this issue is, and you haven't. So we're going to up the ante, and then we're going to up it even more. And if you see it that way, then you're empowered in a way that you wouldn't be if it was just tendonitis and you had to tape it or reduce your running or that sort of thing. Right. And you may want to do both at the same time. I don't know. Right. But, but to know that there are people who have had similar injuries and found a way to still run and function and get rid of the pain. This friend who had torn ligaments and is able to run triathlons now. So the possibility, I'm interested in the possibility. Yes, I love that. An expansion. Right. By seeing it through the lens of stories, it makes it less charged and more fun yes. to explore yes yes absolutely yeah it takes yeah it makes it more amenable to me it's like oh this can be fun yes. it doesn't have to be because pain tendonitis is usually painful mm. pain carries with it uh, a physiology that is not perky and wonderful and fun hmm but and also tapping into the story aspect of making it fun, it, I can understand what you were saying before about how our ancestors told stories. There's almost like this magic lore to it that now I'm drawn to. I want to explore this story. That's and the stories told. in many ways provide containment for us. They provide some meaning. And, and we've lost a lot of that in our culture. Right. Such as the story that I first presented you with. Well, I'm running more. I have tendonitis that's supposed to happen. Done. And again, with the Tarahumara, the expectation is that when you're 63, you're going to be at your peak and you're going to be running marathons. Right. Barefoot, 100 miles. Yeah, 100 mile marathons. Yeah. So that expectation influences us. It and does. that's a cultural expectation. Hmm. Or it could come from, you know, could come from when you were a little kid and your mother said to you, well, you shouldn't run that far. You know, something as simple as that can impact us for the rest of our lives. Hmm. 
or you you can't go forward in whatever manner in whatever subject. I mean, those are the things that we park in our unconscious and that then come up later. I see them as coming up to be processed and cleared. Oftentimes they're just seen as symptoms, but I see it as an opportunity. Yeah, an opportunity to learn and process and move forward. I had a friend who had had his large intestines removed and I was treating him. And in having your large intestines removed, your physiology is such that you don't have solid stool when you go to the bathroom. You, because, because your small intestines then become where you excrete waste. And in that state, it's liquid. So that whole feedback loop of having solid excretion is gone. So the feedback loop then in the body is that when I poop, it's fluid. Now on a physiological level, when the animal part of us is terrified, we have diarrhea. That's pure physiology. And so this person did that all day long. So the feedback loop was unconsciously terror over and over and over again because you're having liquid stool. And so your body is seeing that as terror. So each time you go to the bathroom, terror is on a fundamental level being fed in some ways. And I knew that watching him. I knew that seeing him, treating him. And he wasn't, would not have been able to understand that. So that is an example of where the feedback loop through the physiology, because it originally to have your colon removed, the medical community recommended it for whatever reason. So instead of trying to investigate the symptoms and perhaps change them, take it out. And in Doing that, you set up a feedback loop that forever keeps you in the original terror. Hmm. And, and I saw that, and I knew it. I kept my mouth shut, but it was pretty awful to watch because hmm. I knew there was another way, but this person couldn't change his story. He'd already bought into the original story and had physically changed himself so that it wasn't the amount of work it would have taken to process that original terror would have been way too big. So that's just fascinating to me. Would, looking at that story now, do you think it would be possible to rewrite that story for him after the fact? If he had the will to do so, the capacity and the will to now reassociate Yes, I believe that it's possible because uh, because the origin of it is is the psyche. Mm. And so you can change the psyche and then the physiology will change. It might be much more difficult because you don't have the actual vessel to help you with it. But right. I you know, I believe anything is possible until I'm proven wrong. Yeah. Right. And, and I believe that for him the origin of of his bowel problems was the terror that he experienced as a young child. So so if he went into that terror and processed that, yes, I think that could change. Mm. If he had the will yes. and decided and to do it from the, yeah. a place of power and choice. Right. 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 He did not. 
but yeah. yes, absolutely. Hmm. So can I add a story that is in Victorian England? I, I hope I get this right, that J.M. Barry, who wrote Peter Pan. Okay. His brother died young. He, I think he saw him die. And the mother sort of took to her bed and was, you know, mourned the brother. So the brother never grew up. He died young. So J.M. Barry never got past five feet tall because he was trying to replace his brother in his mother's affection. And because his brother had died young, J.M. Barry tried to stay young so that his mother would love him. And, and he wrote Peter Pan, which was about an eternally young boy. So that was the example they used of the power of story. Yeah. That his story, he on some level told himself that he had to replace his brother for his mother. Wow. I just always found that fascinating. That's so fascinating. And, and when I see it, I think of that kind of power that he had that he used against himself that had he been able to, I mean, he did write Peter Pan, but how much did he suffer in, in the interim? And, and that is the power of the story that we tell ourselves, oftentimes unconsciously. Mm -hmm.